0: Every three minutes, a person in the U.S. is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma, blood cancers that often require patients to endure difficult treatments that leave them feeling weak, cold, and isolated. Subaru of Gwinnett is here to help. Since 2016, Subaru has partnered with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, a cause that FAN has been proud to support for over 24 years, and in the month of June through our Subaru Loves to Care initiative, we're continuing our partnership with LLS to give even more to patients and their families. Subaru, more than a car company. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com to learn more. Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players,
1: legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore the bobby jones apparel company ben hogan golf two under taylormade golf and golf pride now here's your host
0: chris mascaro
1: Good evening folks and welcome to Next on the T. How you doing? You keeping your sanity? Are you going stir crazy from being in the house for most of the last 2 weeks? Has it been longer where you're at? To our friends up in the northeast where this thing has just exploded to everyone out west and all the places in between where the virus continues to spread, plus our friends over in Italy, over in the UK, all across Europe and Asia. I'm hoping for you this thing has peaked and it's on its way down. I don't want to talk too much about the coronavirus tonight because we're bombarded constantly in the news about it. I want to give everyone a little escape from that for a little while. So outside of hearing how it's impacting the great PGA and LPGA professionals that I'm blessed to talk with every week here on the show, and I know you're all struggling and it's hurting you guys from an economic perspective, and you're all in my prayers, uh, I want to keep everything focused on as much as possible on golf tonight. But just remember, we're going to get through this together. So let's try to put our fears aside for the next hour or so. Let's have some fun. Let's get you ready for when all of this passes. So tonight, I've got three more of the top instructors in the game that are going to help give you some tips and some drills that you can do right there in your backyards or in your living rooms to keep your game sharp. And first up is going to be Jason Hayes. Jason is the head golf professional at Buffalo Dunes Golf Club out in Garden City, Kansas. I've got my Buffalo Dunes sweatshirt on right now. He's also the assistant golf coach at Garden City Community College. Along with getting Jason's tips for what we can do to practice around the house, I want to get his thoughts on some short game tips, chipping and pitching out of tight lies, and when the ground is dry and hard, how we can hit those shots more successfully. We'll also talk about how the season was going at Garden City Community College before all of this hit. And since we don't have live golf tournaments to watch, what are his all-time favorites? His top five. Favorite golf tournaments to watch on TV, getting a little bit of that Golf Channel or ESPN Classic. We'll talk about that when Jason joins me in just a moment. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Paul Ramey. Paul is one of the top instructors in the state of Connecticut. I'm going to talk to Paul about some of those same things that I did with Jason. want to get you as many drills as possible that you can do at home. Plus, we'll get some tips for how to hit better shots when we have a severe uphill lie in the fairways to an uphill green. How do we stay in balance and not come over the top and snap hook that shot? And when we have a severe downhill lie, when we're in the rough just off the green, how can we get that shot close and not send the ball rolling all the way across the green? So looking forward to having Paul back with me. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour. Then we'll round out tonight's show with our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tonight, T.P. and I are going to talk about some of his thoughts around when the golf season might actually restart and how he thinks the timing of the majors is going to play out. Plus, I'll get his top five all-time favorite tournaments to watch. So looking forward to having Tom back as part of the show, as always. He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your golfing content tonight. I want to start by saying hello to my friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence. Please check out their shows. Matthew's show is called Backspin Golf. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. tea time. You can listen online at WLXG.com, ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. Our good friend Perry French leads off the first segment with Matthew every week. Perry shares a lot of great golfing content and instruction over on Matthew's show, and Matthew's just a fantastic host, and he makes the show so much fun. Listen online at WLXG.com or on the WLXG app. Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at GolfTripX.com, and that's the letter X, so GolfTripX.com. Also available on Audioboom, Stitcher and Player.fm as well. Mitch and his co-host Aaron Bunch take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places that you can go stay and play. They also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. So go online to GolfTripX.com and check out their podcast. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their new spring collection out now. And their new sweaters, polos, and pants are all fantastic. And you're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel and El Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing them out on the Champions Tour. Check it out online at BobbyJones.com and under the coupon code T to save 20% at checkout. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and the new TaylorMade sim. Featuring the SIM driver designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving where you need it most on the downswing. SIM irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system to deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel. And the new SIM fairway woods with low CG to help you hit it higher and with the V-steel sole to launch it even easier out of any lie. Get fit for SIM throughout your entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online at tailormadegolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back in making his fourth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Jason Hayes. And let me remind you about Jason's background. He's from Tucumcari, New Mexico, attended the New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico. He earned his certification as a PGA professional from the PGA of America back in 1998. He's been the vice president of the Northern Texas PGA section since 2016. He also served as the president of the North Texas PGA West chapter in 2012 and 2013. Jason is as well-decorated a PGA professional as you're going to find. He won the Bill Strasberg Award four times, which is the top honor given to the North Texas PGA West Texas chapter. He was the chapter's golf professional of the year in 2011, 12, and 13, and the teacher of the year in 2009 and 10. He was also the Merchandiser of the Year for private clubs in the North Texas PGA West chapter in 2004 and 2006. He was Manager of the Year in 1998 for the Four Star Golf Corporation while at Scott Park, and he won the Northern Texas PGA Western Championship in 2010. He helped start up and coach the golf program at Angelo State University, which is a Division II school, and he helped them into national prominence and only their second year of existence. He's currently the assistant golf coach at Garden City Community College and the head professional at Buffalo Dunes Golf Course there in Garden City, Kansas. And I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. What's up, Jay Hayes? How are you, my friend? I'm good, Chris. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. Thank you. You know, Jason, with all the news and information we're getting about coronavirus and how it's impacting everybody, I want to check on you and your family and how everything's going out there. In Kansas, and in particular, how everything's going at the Buffalo Dunes golf course. How are you guys hanging on?
2: Everything is uh, good. The family is good. Uh, my boys are still in San Angelo going to uh, Angelo State University. So they're they're adapting to the online classes and all that stuff. And then uh, the golf course itself, Buffalo Dunes, um, we've made some uh, procedural changes the last couple of weeks, um, but uh, everything is good. We have our have our clubhouse closed and, uh, we've got staff kind of help checking in members and guests. Um, it, uh, you know, it's, it's new for everybody and we, uh, we hadn't really missed a beat. Um, the golfing community in Western Kansas is glad that we're open. Um, we have a couple of confirmed cases here in Garden City, but beyond that, I mean, we're just glad to be open where people can kind of get away and
3: have a place to, uh, kind of, Escape from the reality of what's going on
1: right now, and but and,
3: uh, it's it's been
1: good. How about on the lesson side? Still giving lessons and, and uh, <clears throat> seeing people come out on the practice tee. Are you going video? How are you we, doing with we, those?
2: We uh, we're doing some video. Um, I had a couple juniors this afternoon that that uh, came in. Um, actually, did a club fitting. Uh, we are practicing the social distancing, trying to stay six feet away. You know, wiping stuff down. Um, elbow bumps and all that good stuff but it's it's good My uh, I've got two uh, a kid named uh, Reagan Bowles and a sister named Amelia Bowles out from uh, kind of northwest Kansas that have been coming to see me for a while and it was good to see them, they did fantastic and um, I mean we're still we're still teaching one thing we're doing though uh, we've got our staff kind of split into two groups an A group and a B group um, we're working three days on and then three days off in case you know we do have come in contact with with somebody that has the uh coronavirus we uh we can keep the place open so um the the city of Garden city has been great and uh they're they're pretty progressive when it comes to stuff like that we've everything we're trying to do we've had our our county health department approve and give us a blessing so I mean, we're gonna try to stay open as long as we can
1: so Jason. Like I mentioned in your intro, you're also an assistant coach at Garden City Community College. Before all this happened with the coronavirus, how are things going with the team, and where do you guys go from here?
2: Well, we uh, played one tournament. We actually won it, so we can say uh, we we were undefeated in the spring. So
3: that's right.
2: Um, the first, yeah, the first round, the the guys shot uh, 305 in some pretty tough conditions, and then we came back and shot uh, 279 the next round. Um, but uh when all this first hit we've got we had five internationals and uh one US player and we just we made sure that we were gonna get the international guys back home as quickly as possible. And uh I mean we made the decision uh to just kind of postpone everything, really not wait and see what would what would happen. We wanted to get everybody back to their families. Um we did that and uh our uh, our our US kid is from Colorado, and um, I mean, obviously, Colorado is a pretty good hot spot right now. We um, we're staying in touch with the guys. They they did pick up a year of ex, ex, a year of eligibility. So when they come back in the uh, in uh, August of uh, 2020, they'll you know they'll they'll have a uh, when they're able to transfer, they'll have three years of eligibility instead of two. So that's a plus. And then um, we're already done recruiting for next year. We're going to have uh, five Swedes, possibly six, our Canadian, our young man from Portugal, uh, a local uh, kid named Noah Ortiz that played at Garden City High School. We're excited about that. And then uh, our young man from Colorado will be back with us too. So we've got, uh, we're going to be pretty solid. Um, Our lone sophomore is uh, getting ready to make a decision where he's going to go. He's got a couple of offers from some Pretty good uh, D2 schools and uh, probably the best NAIA school in the country. So we're excited about that. His name's Vincent Wilhelm. He's from Germany. So we we had a very good year. Um, we we led the uh, Garden City Community College and team GPA. We had a three five seven.
3: So we uh, we were pretty
2: wow. excited. Been a been a good year.
1: Jason, that sort of begs the question with all the international players. Garden City, Kansas, how are you guys getting so many international recruits to come play there?
2: You know, I guess at the end of the day, it's all about how much it's going to cost uh, a kid to go to school, whether it be U.S. or international. And and the school is is very inexpensive. It's uh, about $12,500 a year. Um, And so, you know, out of pocket, our kids are looking somewhere between – $6,500 Sixty-five hundred and eight thousand dollars. We don't have a big scholarship budget, but we try to spread it out. Um, our head coach, his name's Phil Terpstra. He's the uh, dean of academics for the school, so we kind of have the best of both worlds. I kind of take care of the golf swings, and and uh, he takes care of the academics. And we've just got a. We over the last couple of years, we've laid a pretty good foundation, and and uh, kids are actually contacting us, wanting to play for us. Um, the kids that have come before that helped lay that fam- foundation have are fantastic. They've uh, you know, it's, we're just, we've got some really good traditions started and I think we're just going to get better and
1: better. And Jason, you guys typically host the garden city charity classic on the Symmetra tour there, Buffalo Dune. Um, talk about the tournament and what are you hearing? Is it, is it going to be in August like it's on the schedule or is that subject to get pushed back? Where does it stand?
2: You know, as of right now, we are planning on hosting the event. Um we're we're in constant contact with uh Symmetra Tour. We don't know what it's really going to look like. Um if it's going to be a scaled back version, if we're going to be able to go ahead and do the uh do the entire thing. Um it's just kind of in a holding pattern right now. Um, the plans are we're going to do something. Um, the girls need a place to play, and uh, Garden City has just been a fantastic uh, host for our event. And, uh, I mean, it's just we're just going to kind of wait and see and see what happens. Hopefully everything will kind of get back to normal by the end of April and uh, life as we know it can kind of move forward. You know, we've got uh, – we were supposed to host the women's – uh njca national championship in in may and that's been postponed um we have a big ajga event in june um we're you know that's kind of in a holding
1: pattern so it's
2: uh kind of wait and see
1: jason i want to switch gears a little bit and try to get some (laughs) playing lessons for for our listeners and i want to start by asking about some drills that that uh maybe we can do out in our backyards in our living rooms for those of us that are quarantined to the house, what are some things that we can be working on?
2: You know one of my uh, all time favorite drills, and if somebody's ever taken a lesson from me or um my college college kids or email has ever played for me um i I call it the propeller drill uh, you take one of your alignment sticks, you place it right across your sternum. Uh, parallel to the ground, and you just you just work on rotation back and forth when you rotate back to the trail foot, you kind of stop and make sure that that alignment stick is is parallel to that foot and then you rotate around to your left side or your lead foot and just work back and forth um, There's a couple different variations you can do i I'm really big on trying to get people to kind of get their lower body moving a little bit better using more of their athleticism. I mean, we you can do it flat-footed. I, when we first start, I really like people's feet to come off the ground and their kind of knees to touch or kiss. That's uh, that's a good one. Um, you know, then the other the other great one that uh, would probably be a lot of fun for people is just to pick up a broom and uh, take it out in the backyard and just swing it 50, 60, 75 times. Just kind of slow and monotonous. Make your golf swing. It's long enough. It's heavy enough. It's actually going to help you make a better swing, um, and plus you're going to get a really really good workout. If you swing that thing about a 75 times, you you're probably going to be sore the next day if you hadn't uh, been doing any exercise or anything like that. So those are two of my favorites. Um, one of the one of the things we do at the college is uh, instead of using the speed sticks all the time, I've got uh, we've got three different weights of broom. And uh that's what we'll use to kinda of wear the guys out and uh help increase their swing speed, uh stamina. So kinda of a little outside the box, but it's a lot of fun, a little different. Um and I you know, I I try to do it a couple times a week when we're not at the golf
1: course. So let's get on the course a little bit, Jason. <laughs> okay. I wanna get a, a tip from you about uh chipping from, from a hard pan, tight lie. So if you, we're out on a fairway and it, and it's dry and uh, we're on, we've are we got that sort of tight line, maybe we're about 20 yards or so off the green. A lot of times we're either chunking that shot or we're sculling it across the green. What's a tip for how we can hit better, more successful tips in a, off, a, off a hard pan line?
2: So one of the things that I like to teach is, uh, and I stole it from uh, – a guy in north texas many years ago is is uh he calls it swinging your pizza slice it's like when you get set up and uh you put your club, your hands on the club uh you your arms kind of make that v um i like pizza because it gives you a good visual and what what we do is i like people to stand a little closer a little taller where their arms are hanging a little bit more that's going to get the heel of the club off the ground on those tie lies. And then all you're going to do is you're going to feel like you're going to swing your pizza slice without any wrist hinge. Um, you're going to use the bounce of the club a little bit more. You're going to use the true loft of the club. Very, very rarely do you, will you stick it into the ground? Um, and a good way to practice to kind of get the feel is if you can take out an, uh, a lie board or an impact board. And kind of get set up, and just make some swings back and forth to kind of get the feel of what it's going to feel like bouncing off something hard or bouncing off the turf. And then um, I'll take the students to some hard pan or some really tight lie, and and we'll just start. We'll start with a nine iron, and just kind of work down nine iron, pitching wedge, sand wedge. Um, where you know the nine iron obviously is going to be a little easier, build a little confidence and then we'll stick the sandwich in their hand.
3: And it's pretty amazing how well it works. Um, they uh, they tend to catch on pretty well. So, Jason,
1: to, to that end, right, when you're talking about which club to pull and how to hit that shot, is there a distance that you have in mind? Like, look, if you're this far away, let's try that with the sandwich. If you're about this distance, let's pull the pitching wedge. If you're this close, let's pull the nine iron how do we know which, which one of those clubs is going to be right for us? Um, a lot of it is just going to be
2: practice and what you feel comfortable for. I am definitely a guy that I think golf should be played a little bit more on the ground. Um, so the sooner you can get the ball rolling, the better you're going to be lost is a great thing, but it's also a great
3: analogy, lack of certain talent. And if you, uh, if, if you can get it rolling, um, great.
2: The good thing about, you know, what I'm calling swinging your pizza slice is the swing is consistent. There's not a lot of manipulation with your, with your wrists and hands. And you actually can get pretty good at with a nine iron or with a wedge because you're going to be making the same motion. Um, so consistency um, comes fairly quickly and then from there it just depends on on what kind of lie you have and and what kind of shot because you can hit all the all the all the different shots um you just have to manipulate it a little bit if you're not having to forward press or open up and open the club face up and and kind of manufacture something you you can become a little more creative um but but again it a lot of it just depends on the person i'm teaching and what i think if they're if they're going to be a little more comfortable hitting hitting a lofted shot, then we may may work on that. If it's if it's somebody that's struggling with short game, we're going to pitch a lot with a a gap wedge, pitching wedge, or a nine iron, just because they're going to be more consistent and their scores are going to improve quite a
1: bit. So Jason, let's get a little closer to the green. If we find ourselves in a green side bunker. And the sand is wet and compact, so you've got sort of a hard pan sand shot how do you How do you successfully get out if you're faced with that shot?
2: You know I think you close your eyes, swing as hard as you can and hope oh. um, <laughs> I do that all the you know, time
3: <laughs>
2: no um again um I think one of the great bunker teachers of uh all time is Peter Cowan and He's got a pretty simple, uh, simple way to uh, describe it. And I, I've kind of taken what he's, what he's preached and kind of made it my own a little bit. But I like playing the golf ball, obviously a little more forward. Um, I like trying to open the glove face up as much as I can because of that hard pan. And then the other thing that I, I I want people to feel like they're gonna splash the sand. Um and, and by splashing the sand one of the things I'll do is usually when you're given a short game lesson, people get can get pretty frustrated at the at the teacher. Um so I'll go stand up in front of the bunker and I'll actually I'll draw a line in the sand and I'll have the person get set up and I want them to kinda when they're splashing the sand, I want the club to kinda sit in front of that line but I give them the opportunity to uh, try to hit me with as much sand as they can. And they kind of start out, they kind of hit it thin or they miss. And before long, they get that idea of what it's like to move the sand out of the bunker. Once they kind of get that feel of how hard they have to swing to get that sand to uh, come up out of the bunker, try to get close. I'm usually
3: standing five or 10 yards away. And, uh, they, uh, they get, they, they do get me quite a, quite a lot, but, um, once we kind
2: of get that feel, then we'll kind of introduce the golf ball. And, uh, one of the, one of the things I like to tell kind of off a hard lie hard pin is to kind of hit and don't make it kind of make an abbreviated follow through. And, uh, that easily gives you a little more control. Um, the ball is going to come out. It doesn't always come out perfect, but at least,
3: at least they get the ball up on the green and give them a give themselves a chance to
1: to make a putt. All right, so let's let's move forward and be on the green. <laughs> for for those of us that struggle with lag putts and, and getting that you know, getting the ball within a, a one or two foot circle of the hole, what are some things that we can do to improve our distance control?
2: So there's there, there's several things that that you can do. Um, the first thing that I would tell somebody to do when they're when we're working on putting, speed, technique, rhythm, is I want you to putt without a hole. I want you to put a couple of tees in the ground or something. We we take the hole out of play, and we quit worrying about well I missed it here I missed it there. You start working more on the mechanics, on the feel, on the rhythm. So one of my favorite drills for uh, teaching lag putting is we'll start out at 10 feet, 15 feet, 20, 25, and 30. We'll place tees at those intervals. And then um, I, I want the student to kind of roll the ball 12 to 18 inches past the tee. So we'll give them three balls and we'll let them hit three different putts to all those feet. And, you know, the more we do that, uh, the the their feel is going to get a little bit better.
3: Um, we work on it uphill, downhill, left to right, right to left. So, um, and
2: and it's it's a pretty simple drill. The other thing I I like to work on when we're putting, especially lag putting, is um, at the end of the we'll we'll download an app called Metro Timer.
3: And, um, they'll, they'll, we'll put that on a certain speed and I'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put it on 60 to 65 beats a minute and we'll just kind of work on that rhythm and try to hit it different lengths, you know, go back to the 20 feet, 25 feet, 30 feet. and uh,
2: have them get set up, kind of that rhythm, get that rhythm going with with that uh, metronome, and just work on hitting different different lengths of putts. And uh, like if we need to hit it a little softer, we'll slow down. If we need to hit it a little faster, I'll I'll speed the metronome up. It just gives people a sense of, okay, I I can relate this distance. I've got this 70 beats per second or per minute in my head. When I make that swing, it's gonna go twenty five feet kind of gives them a a a feel and kind of gives them something that they can uh, re-
3: relate to speed and distance. I guess if that makes sense. yep
1: well, Jason, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media?
2: Um, you can always see what's going on at the golf course at buffalodunes.org.
1: Um, you can
2: follow me on social media, uh, Jay Hayes, PGA on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I can't remember what my Twitter handle is right now. I don't, I don't spend much time on there. Um, I am on Facebook, uh, just Jason Hayes, H-A-S-E. You can, you can find me there. Um, but, uh. I I guess I guess those three are the probably the main. I think my uh my let me go see what my Twitter handle is. I should know <laughs> I it as Jay much
1: Hayes as, PGA but
2: I, I should find out. J Hayes PGA, you you you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And Chris, before before I cut up, thank you so much for everything you do for the game of golf and for uh, everything you've done for PGA professionals. Um your uh your show is awesome. It's always a pleasure to uh to listen to it. And I look I look forward to uh listening to the podcast on Wednesday mornings and, and uh listening to all the great guests and stuff. Um so so thank you for what you do for the game of golf.
1: Well, I appreciate that very much, Jason. Thank you for being such a great guest every time you come on the show and, and what you're doing to develop young players and the kids in college all the way up to the adults in your area you're fantastic my friend i hope you'll come back and join me again soon
2: A- ab- absolutely um real quick uh the garden city charity classic
1: um I- i'm i've said
2: this before but uh our uh, our local benefactor is the, our there's 13 area high school teams that have women's golf and uh the last couple years we've uh Written check to the all those programs close to fifty thousand dollars, and uh, it's fun wow. to watch the impact of of that for growing growing women's golf in Western Kansas, and uh, it's something that we're really really proud of. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, didn't get
1: that in there for the Charity Classic. So, absolutely, kudos to you guys for what you guys are doing. That's fantastic stuff. Jason, take care, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Stay safe. Yes, sir. Likewise. Thank you, Chris. See you, Jason. That's Jason Hayes, H-A-S-E, and and J. Hayes, P-G-A, like we say, on Twitter, and you can find him on Facebook and on Instagram as well, doing some great stuff out there at Buffalo Dunes Golf Course up in Garden City, uh, Kansas. So, Kudos to them for all the things that they are doing for golf up and down, both you know, from juniors to adults to the Symmetra Tour, and as you just heard him talk about the charity that they're doing uh raising money for, for women's golf as well. So good stuff there. Keep keep following them, and uh, we look forward to getting Jason back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Paul Reme, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron for either their Fort Worth PTX or Edge irons and go out on the range and compare them to whatever it is you've got in your bag. All Ben Hogan Woods irons, and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made Woods irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specification and, best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Go online and check out all their great equipment, bags, and accessories at BenHoganGolf.com. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
2: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See
1: why golfers everywhere are
2: proud to call PGA
1: Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on Next on the Tee is Paul Ramey. Let me give you a little bit of background on Paul. Played his college golf at Seton Hall. Became a Class A certified professional back in 1996. In 2013, he was named the Horton Smith Award winner for his dedication to education. Paul has been an assistant golf professional at the Park Country Club in Williamsville, uh, New York. Canoe Brook Country Club in Summit, New Jersey. And at Oakmont Country Club. You know where Oakmont is. Fantastic. He's also uh, the, one of the inaugural instructors at the Golf Channel Academy. He was a 2016 Connecticut PGA Section Teacher of the Year. Golf Digest consistently ranks him in the top three instructors in the state of Connecticut. And since 2003, he's been the director of golf and club manager at Bulls Ridge Golf Club in, in uh, Kent, Connecticut, which is in the western part of the state right there on the New York border. And I'm very honored. He's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming back on the show.
4: Hey, good evening, Chris. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. You tell me, how are things up there in your neck of the woods? Things are kind of dicey. You guys okay?
4: Yeah, we're doing our. Right. Interesting. We probably had our best winter ever. Uh, very mild. We were looking for an early spring, and then uh, obviously the world changed. We, I mean, we we had majority of our members are from Manhattan, and they've been in Field County for the last three weeks. As soon as those New York City schools closed, they all vacated the city and headed off. And unfortunately for us, you know, we're. We're about 90 miles from the epicenter in New York and uh, haven't been affected yet. But, it's you know, it's creeping up the, the eastern seaboard. And, you know, Fairfield County has a 1,500 cases. And so it's scary times up here.
1: What's it been like for you as a PGA professional? I got to imagine golf courses, scarce practice, team is probably scarce. How you doing?
4: I'm doing okay. So, you know, we typically go away for the last uh, 10 days of March since my kids had their their spring break so my my indoor facility this winter you know has been amazingly uh i was really seeing a tick in my clientele and then you know really figured that i wasn't going to teach much the last 10 days being out of the out of the state but we canceled that trip i you know i definitely between my 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 students and myself we just kind of put pause and you know governor has said that golf courses are allowed to be open in the state so we're going to open our golf course tomorrow no clubhouse no bathroom facilities. Um, members, can, you know, carry their own bag, um, and you know, they've got to take their clubs home with them at the end of the night. We don't want to, you know, touch them. But so we're gonna, you know, get some golf started. And, and we've had, like I said, such a mild winter. We um, hopefully people will, you know, social distance on the golf course. When they get out of the house. I think a lot of people are jumping at the bit. So, but it is one of the things that the governor of Connecticut has has allowed is that recreation. So we'll see.
1: You've got a great app. That uh, you know, I check out on a on a regular basis. You got a lot of good teaching okay. drills and videos and on the app. Are you gonna uh, maybe transition do a little bit of uh, video instruction on the app as well?
4: I've thought about it, and you know, like I said earlier, you know, a lot of my fellow instructors have the last ten days they started to go on you know online lessons. I kind of took the last ten days or so, and that was gonna be our family time. We've got uh, my oldest son from college that their schools his schools closed down. He brought. A friend home couldn't get back to the U.K., a teammate of his. So it's been a lot of family time. We bought uh, some axes, and we've been chopping down a bunch of trees in the backyard, cutting up, making some firewood. So um, I think as I get back into it, uh, definitely, uh, this upcoming week we'll utilize that app for some online instruction.
1: As you mentioned, your son Hunter, heck of a player following in your footsteps playing his college golf at Seton Hall. How are they doing? What's going on at Seton Hall with the team?
4: Well, uh... You know they they stopped and they started their spring season, had a tournament or two, uh, and then they had their spring break. They came home and um, the school it opened for like a week or so after that. And uh, you know when the NCA shut down everything, um, no more tournaments they're home. You know they're trying to figure out will we have you know state amateur events in summer? Will the state open? So I mean, what, what what's their going to look like? So it's a little bit up in the air, but. You know, once again, he's out playing every day. He's got his team in here, uh, 50, 52 degrees, and, you know, of course still walking around playing every day. So uh, it's a little bit flux, I think. You know, as a 21-year-old kid, you know, that unknown, it, it starts to wear out a little bit. And just now the NCA said that uh, the seniors who did not uh, play spring sports can come back. So the, the national championship weren't finalized other than the winter are now going to be you know, conducted, and those seniors are going to get another year of eligibility. So as a sophomore moving up, and you're going to take on a little bit more of a prominent role. You're unsure what you know, what those seniors that are graduating are
3: going
1: to do now. Paul, the theme of the last two shows has really been around drills we can do, you know, around the house, whether it's in our backyard, in our living rooms, what have you. Wanted to get a couple of drills or playing tips from you that we can actually practice in those areas. What are some things that we can do in order to keep our yeah, game well, sharp while we, for those who can't get out?
4: Well, fortunately, you know, for me in the Northeast, I have a bunch of these drills because my members will come up on the weekend, come to my indoor facility, take some lessons, then head back to New York. So I do a lot of drills uh, that they can do at their desks or, um, you know, in their apartments in Manhattan. So. You know, we all kind of feel like the walls are caving in on us here. So I'll, I'll give you three quick drills, Chris, that you can do, and they all kind of relate to using a wall. So, you know, for for listeners out there that uh, have been told that they take the club too far back inside on the back swing and kind of wrap it around their body, um, you know, one drill you can do is, you know, stand with your back to the wall and can get in your golf posture and make sure that your you know your butt is up against the wall. So what I want you to do is. In, Take, use a golf club as well. Put a golf club in your hands. Get into your golf posture and start to make some back swings. And if you are going to wrap that club around you, that golf club's going to get stuck in the wall and your wife's going to get mad at you for chipping the paint there. So you know, you'll do that one or two times and then figure out how to move that club away properly using your shoulders, your arms, and your hands and get that club moving into what we call you know, the first parallel position where the club is parallel to the ground and it's also parallel to the target line. And by that time, you know, we shouldn't be hitting, hitting the wall. That should be, you know, moved away from us about, you know, three feet or so and, uh, a good couple inches away from hitting the wall. So that that would be the first drill. And that, that's really, like I said,
3: pertains to, to the takeaway.
4: Uh, the second drill you can do, you know, is now turn around and, and face the wall. So what we're going to try and do now is work on a drill that somebody can do if, you know, they've been told that they come over the top. So stand Chasing the wall, you can once again get in your golf posture, using a golf club. Place that golf club on the floor about three or four inches away from the molding. We can make a full back swing. And then as we come down, you know, when we, if we come over the top, those shoulders are rotating a little bit too early. or you know They're rotating at the head of the hips or, or with the hips at the same pace as the hips. And, you know, the arms thrown out towards the wall. So if you're making some swings, you need to start slow with. You know, half speed, maybe even a little bit slower, and, and move up to full speed. And if you're not properly sequencing downswing, where the hips are moving first, and then the shoulders and the arms and the club, if your shoulders are moving too early, your arms are going to get thrown out over the top, and that golf club once again is going to collide with the wall, and So, the idea of turning around and using the wall on the downswing
3: is a good way for you know the listeners to kind of feel that the shoulders pause a little bit, and those arms will start to come down from the inside. And then the last row, you know, we um, talked a little bit about the back swing,
4: the down swing Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, the lateral shift in, in the down as well. So what I asked some of my students to do when I see that they don't really know how to shift properly, you know, to start the downswing, I ask them to uh, take their lead foot and place the outside of their lead foot up against the molding. Um, and then it will get the left side of your body if you're a right-handed golfer facing the wall, closest to the wall, and you'll be looking, you know, away from the wall. And you can get in your golf posture again and cross your arm and, and make a make a backflip. And what I then have them do is I have them kind of feel like the, the, the left foot is, you know, adjacent to the wall. I try and feel like they have a little bit of a lateral shift and get that left knee, left hip, left shoulder to all kind of touch the wall at the same time. You can kind of envision... You know, like Derek Jeter, when he would scoop up a baseball at shortstop there, he was, his arms would going backwards and his whole body would be moving forward towards home plate. And that left shoulder, left hip, left back leg were moving towards, you know, first base as he was getting ready to throw. So that level, that shift he got then, you know, allowed things to unwind and allowed those arms to come around and that ball to get released straight over there to first base. And, uh,
3: four times to knock, he threw the guy off. So we have a quick tells, I think, that you can be,
1: we're closed up inside. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing those, Paul. Um, I want to get a, a couple other lessons on the golf course. And a place that I struggle a lot is, is with greenside bunkers. And I was watching some of your videos. And one of the things that I was surprised to see is when you're teaching, I guess, amateurs like me how to get out of a bunker, typically what I'm used to seeing is, is uh, an open stand. But you're more about parallel and having your feet and hips parallel to the target. Talk about why.
4: Yeah, so uh, you know when I was a kid, I never had a lob wedge. None of us did. We used 56 degree wedges, and you know we'd open up our stance, open up, open up the the club face, swing across our body, trying to create you know a high loft, a high, high you know a high stop shot. Um, you know now with 60 degree wedges, I, I just kind of saw that a lot of my members were struggling uh, with. That open stance, uh, cutting across the body with an open face. You know, things were coming out short, right, not getting out of the bunker. So I just, you know, you know, decided to try and teach them to hit the bunker shot the same way they hit a pitch shot. And you know, I like to see a little bit of weight, more weight on the left side, uh, front side of the sand. Uh, we move the ball slightly forward. I, I really try and feel a lot of pressure in the left knee. And then really keep that pressure there, and you know feel like the whole swing is really working around that left leg, left knee. So then you know the back swing is pretty vertical. We're gonna we're gonna hinge, you know, the, the wrist pretty early, trying to feel like get those you know that left wrist up, those thumbs pointing up. And then I like to see a real high to low motion. Uh, lots of times, just people fall back into that right leg, that club swings up over the shoulders, and you know that swing bottom moves back way way be you know, too far behind the ball and will hit it heavier or, or you know, try kick that club into the ball. So if we can stay, move that position a little bit more forward, keep that weight left, and then just try and hit a couple inches behind that ball, just like we were hitting a pitch pitch shot or you know, a heavy rougher you know, around the green, uh, they they catch on to it a little bit quicker. They're not having to, you know, now they don't need to hit a chip shot, a pitch shot, a, a high-low shot, and a sand shot. I'm, I'm kind of running it into the same motion as the headshots that we use around the green. So that parallel, uh, you know, the target line with their foot line just really allows them to kind of make it simpler.
3: And you know, we've had a lot more success with, you know, some weekend golfers who, um, you know, struggle with bumping shots.
1: Paul, what about if, we, if we've we hit a nice drive, but the uh, the hole we're playing is, is way uphill. We're hitting... We're in the middle of the fairway, but we've got an uphill lie to an uphill green. How do we stay in balance and hit a good shot? Because typically when I'm faced with that, I'm snap hooking that thing way left. How can we do a better job of hitting a straight shot on an uphill lie?
4: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. So, I mean, our eight pole is you hit to a pretty, you know, level uh, landing area. And then the second shot goes uphill, you know, kind of tucked back into the of the hill here is this green and we just cleared like this winter just cleared about twenty five feet of brush and trees to the left of that green, Chris, and we found thousands of golf balls. You couldn't believe how many people were hitting snap hooks, you know, left of that green, just like you talked about. So you're right, it is it is about balance and the first thing that I try and get people to do is, you know, take take an extra club. We're going uphill maybe take the extra club. Um these range finders today, you know, you can use them in a practice ground, and it will tell you what the elevation change is, what the yardage is going to play on that elevation change. So so I use a lot of that in my instruction with them. to really get them a the sense, first of all, how much the uphill is. And, you know, setting up, I like to see people get um, their knees, hips, and shoulders aligned with that slope. We've got to play with the slope, not into it. And lots of times I'll see people with their, you know, trying to get set up the way they would on the level line. And that left shoulder gets too low, they start hitting down into the ground and a bit a disaster. So you know the, the the next part is you know you know allowing a little bit of room because that ball will draw so you know aim a little bit to the right. and but you've got to be careful if we aim too much to the right, you know a path could once now start to come you know from the inside a lot, which is going to encourage a hook as well. The other thing I see there is as well is that people have a, a tendency, when they get too close, they have a real hard time getting on their left side, and that club will flip over, and, and you know, everything, the path is big, the, the, the face is turning over, and everything's going left. So so maybe just a little bit right of the target. And then, you know, the real struggle is to get that weight shift, because if we do hang back on that right side, the hands, wrists, and arms are going to flip over most likely, and that club face is going to get shifted and that ball is going to go left. So, uh, we, you know, we go out, and I do a lot of teaching on the golf course, and so we go out to this spot a lot. And it takes a while. I mean, it's almost like you got to go there with a little small bucket of balls and just stay there until you get it. And, you know, we're lucky. We play 8,000 rounds of golf. My members can practice on the golf course a lot. So we have started to get some success. But, you know, people really have to feel it, how much movement and how hard it is to move up that hill to get off that right side, to get that club face more neutral as it's going through the, you know, the impact area so it doesn't flip over. But, you know, I'd recommend, you know, if you struggle with that shot, Chris, you know like I said, get out of your golf course. Maybe it's going to be 6.30 six at night. Let's slow down, pick a spot, and really just try and make make swings where you get all that weight
3: working up the hill onto that left foot and, and off the right foot. So let's go with the,
1: the opposite of that. Now we're we're uh, just off the green and we've got a severe downhill lie. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in a rough, maybe it's not. But uh, on that shot, I'm typically hitting that shot. I'm trying to do the best I can to stay, you know, parallel to the slope. But that ball hits the green and it runs all the way across the green and off the other side. How can we do a better job of hitting that shot soft and keeping it on the green?
4: Yeah, I would start up you know, um, my highest lofted wedge out my 60-degree wedge. And then, you know, I start out getting pretty tall with my setup and even a little bit open with my feet. I'm really trying to, you know, create a very steep angle of attack here. I'm going to try and crowd that golf ball maybe a little bit, trying to get that club working up in the back. So I'm going to put a little bit of weight in my left side and then maybe even move the ball a little bit, you know, north of center. You know, I'm going to hinge my wrist. Pretty quick in the back. And once again, feeling like that left wrist gets cupped. You know, my thumb. You know, my right thumb is going to be pointing skyward. I'm uh, not. If I get you know round myself a little bit and start coming in too shallow, I'm going to get snagged in that grass. And then you know, I'm really trying to. And I'm going to make a bunch of practice swings here to get the feeling. I'm really trying to, you know, swing that club from you know a higher back swing position to a low finish. I, I'm not looking for any rotation of that face through impact, um, you know, when that face starts rotating, that grass is going to snag it, and that, that face is going to turn over and that ball is going to come out a the left. So I'm really trying to make a bunch of practice strings, keeping that weight left, high to low, and, and, and string down that. It'll try to almost feel like the face of that club is pointing skyward, and you almost like could place a, a glass of water on it when you're done. And can really trying to use the slope and string down, you know, down that slope. It, it's going to come out a little bit. Quicker, you know. Hopefully, we can get decent trajectory. But uh you know, the, the idea of staying left the whole time is pretty imperative. I think if we start to move back up the hill, that low point of the swing is going to start to, you know, come behind the ball too much. And, and you know, we want it out past the ball because it starts to get creep back towards, you know, behind the ball. We're gonna we're gonna hit some thin and heavy shots, low trajectory shots. So staying left, high low swing uh, is kind of the recipe to get that softer
1: shot with us wrong. Paul, one more before I let you go. and Now that we don't have live golf tournaments to watch on the weekends, maybe uh, give us what are your top five all-time tournaments that uh, you might be tuning in to take a look at, maybe pulling it up on YouTube or on ESPN Classic, the golf channel. What's your top five? Well,
4: I know I'm supposed to say the 1986 Masters first, um, but I'll tell you, actually, the last year's Masters was uh amazing for some of my kids had never really seen tiger in their prime. now i would seen jack play in the 80s uh i would seen him play you know and i would and I'd seen tiger's whole career but my kids had never seen tiger and, and so a quick story i had you know is, it changed the tea times last year and we uh we had i booked off you know crossed off my lesson book for the whole afternoon i was gonna go home and watch the masters with my kids because he was, he was gonna do it right and uh so they put the tea times up in the morning. So I finished my last lesson at one o'clock, whatever time it was. And they've got like six holes, five, six holes up. And I grabbed my youngest son, just my middle son, just got done catting. And I took him and went down to the catty room, the two of us, and watched it.
3: And it was just amazing
4: to see him
3: see tiger. You know, we were so fortunate to see each years. It was just great that I had to share that with him. And then obviously, you know, second would be the 86th Masters,
4: and We had an amazing leaderboard necklace. Norman, Watson, Kite, and Seve, and then for me, the, the 1980 U.S. Open Ball patrol was the first major that I ever went to. My parents took me out of school on Friday,
3: uh, went over and watched, uh, and kind of got me hooked. Um, the '83 U.S. Open was pretty cool. It's, the, it's really
4: the first golf tournament I remember seeing on TV, and it was a Monday finish. Larry Nelson. Uh, made that putt on 16 at Oakmont, went running across the green. And then, uh, you know, ironically, a dozen years later, I went off to Oakmont to work, which I was pretty fortunate. And then I guess the, the last one would be the, the 2018 British Open. It was for two reasons. The first one was, you know, Tiger was back. All of a sudden, you know, he was on the back nine. I think he had the lead at one point in contention from Major. And, you know, the renewed hope that we had if we were a Tiger fan or just, you know,
3: just seeing him
4: come back it was amazing. And the second thing that really stuck out for me was, for for a short period of time, it was like Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods, and they were, you know, like neck and neck for some um, honorary kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is so amazing to me to watch. Like the whole, Jordan Spieth, like the nicest guy in the world. For for the last three or four years, he's been, you know, the poster boy of golf. And the whole world right now, the whole golf world, like rooting against Jordan Spieth right now. Because I want Tiger Woods to finish this comeback. You know, America loves a comeback. And it just you know struck me as kind of really surreal that we're sitting there, you know, maybe not everybody, but to, to me it seemed like a lot of people were rooting against Jordan Spoon, that's Tiger's
3: comeback completed. So
4: so they're kind of a five that uh, you know kind of stick out today.
1: Paul, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with you? All the things that you're doing, follow you, whether it's online, on your website, on your app. Or over social media?
4: Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, www.paulremaygolf.com is my website. Paul Remay's World of Golf is my app. Find it in the App Store, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Remay underscore golf, and then Facebook
1: at Golf. So thank you, Chris, for for having me. Absolutely, Paul. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hopefully we get the uh, privilege of getting to spend some time with you a little bit later on this summer. Hopefully it's a lot better out there. Yeah. But uh, in between yeah. now and then, my friend, take care. The best to you and your family. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. You too. That is Paul Ramee. R-A-M-E-E is the spelling of his last name. And like I say, you can find him all over the net. I tell you, he's got so many great videos. Go out on YouTube and just and just you know do a search on his name. Paul Ramey and you're going to find a lot of the stuff that we talked about tonight. Some of the, the tips for the uphill shots. And that's a, that's one that I know I struggle with, with the snap hook. Where it was, that's another great tip as well. And he's got a bunch of them. So Paul's fantastic. Look forward to catching up with him again real soon. I, right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patrick, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at positive vibes golf. You can find them online at positivevibesgolf.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at P Vibes Golf, and their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts when you're out there on the course. Because they, you, you can't go back. You can't help but go back by your bag and see those head covers and, covers and putter covers and put a smile on your face. See why I say that by going online to positivevibesgolf.com dot, uh, dot and uh, give them a follow on Twitter as well at P Vibes Golf. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Mr. Tom Patry. You guys all know Tom is one of the top instructors in the game. You know right now he's down in Naples, Florida at Esplanade Golf and Country Club. You can sign up for video golf lessons through the V1 video app or on his uh, website, tompatry.com, P-A-T-R-I. You can also subscribe to his newsletter while you're on there as well. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, He's a two-time you know, first-team All-American at Florida Southern, won the Division II National Championship in 1981, inducted into the Florida Southern Sports Hall of Fame in 2004, and always a privilege to have Tom as part of this show. Good evening, TV. How are you, my friend? Christy, how are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm good. You tell me. How are you, my friend? How are things down in, in Naples, Florida? You guys staying safe?
5: Well, we are. We're staying indoors, Chris. I uh, I shut down the lesson see about uh, a little over two weeks ago, and um, just felt like it was the right thing to do. I, it's funny. I got up uh, one morning and uh, and looked on my lesson schedule for the day. I had eight lessons scheduled, and uh, six of the people were, I'm sorry, four of the people were over 65, close to 70, and two were around 80. And just thought to myself, you know, what if I was uh, what if I was carrying and didn't know it. Um, and what if I infected somebody that age? I just thought, that, you know, the prudent thing to do was to uh, was to shut it down. So I did. Got a phone call about uh, how serious this thing really is about an hour ago that uh, the couple that I usually spend time with on Long Island, actually stay with when I teach on Long Island, who have been dear friends for uh, over 30 years now, he is home right now. He's infected with the uh, with the virus. And his I wife, uh, Kathy, who's a good friend, is actually in a hospital and got word about about an hour ago, that she wasn't doing very well, and it didn't look very good.
1: God uh, knows, yeah. I, you know, this this whole situation, you know, with um, you know people that are, you know, north of sixty, north of seventy, in the eighties. I mean, it's 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 terrifying to me. I mean, I, you know, from my in-laws who are in their early seventies to my parents who are are in their middle seventies, and you know, we just don't we don't dare be around them. Uh you know, we're yeah, all you know, fine. Just, we all feel fine. But to your point, you just don't know.
5: Yeah, and I just, that, that phone call a while ago got, made everything, you know, it was already very serious to me and very real to me, but that, that made it extremely real. And uh, when it's somebody who you care about and you're close to, and now you get that kind of phone call, it's uh, it makes it extremely real and extremely raw. I, you know,
1: my, yeah, when, I what, just can't imagine. That's your whole, I, whole I, world, I, right? I, up there at Long Island? Well, yeah. And those are my people
5: and the, you know, my dear friends. And you know, like back to the Florida governor, I just don't understand. Uh, I don't understand a lot of things, maybe, but I don't understand how how uh, how we've handled this thing from a federal or a state level, and how long it's taken us to kind of come to grips with the fact that this is as real and as serious as it is. Um, uh, it's. I just think we we, uh, we 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 took a swing and a miss at this thing, and we, we really did a bad job
1: with it. Yeah. Well. There's no question that there's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of things differently or better. We're, we're sort of behind, and it, it, it makes you sort sure of shake your head. And I don't want to get off on a political rant or anything, but you know, when we saw what was happening over in Italy, you know, for our ancestors, and uh, yeah. you know, everything that happened in, in Asia and, and all of those sorts of things, I think uh, unfortunately we, we miscalculated as a country what this was going to do like we were different or special or better or something and we right. grossly miscalculated and now we're paying a unbelievably expensive price and um i agree yeah i agree shaking my head i agree so tom what's, i mean what what's, what's your than- what's your thought like when do we get back to normal and when you know what what do you think happened with the remainder of of the PGA and LPGA tours, when when do you think we start to see that again, or do we?
5: You know, you know Chris, I've been I've <laughs> I've been thinking about that for the better part of two weeks. I don't uh, I really don't know if I'm going to have a uh, summer teaching schedule this year. I I um you know, we just went to 30 days, you know, just at uh, six o'clock tonight, put them in the president Gunn on the airwaves, and uh, uh I don't see you know if if we were really really lucky, in my opinion. I might not give a golf lesson until mid-July, um, and uh,
3: wow. and the
5: problem with that, the, really? the problem with that, the, yeah, well, the problem with that is, you know, I do my stuff on the road during the summer, so for somebody like me, if all of a sudden the world gets semi-right again in July, you know, people are one are severely financially impacted, and you know that's discernible income, so I don't think the first thing on their mind is taking a golf lesson or going on a golf trip or taking a golf school. Uh, or traveling a whole lot, or staying in a hotel, or getting on a plane. You know, I think they're skeptical about that coming out of the other side of this. And and two, you know, their first, you know, their first thing is getting back to work, making sure their family's okay, and and writing the ship. So I don't know. I don't. You know, I, I think. You know, I, I've heard guys on different podcasts, on different radio shows, and TV, and the Golf Channel, and and uh, online. Talk about teaching, you know, June first. I, I think that's I think that's a fantasy. I really do. And as far as the P J Tour is concerned, you know, again, large gatherings. I mean, they're talking about this thing circling back in the fall, um, and, and coming back again if we're not very careful with it. And 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 by the way, we still don't have a vaccine or a cure or or any kind of treatment yet. So, uh, I, <laughs> I I don't know, Chris. I, I I'm not trying to be the pessimist, but I think we have a long
1: road. yet. So do you think we could lose the entire PGA tour season? I mean, no majors, no nothing. We'll see in next spring. I mean, you know, to your point for for those that are really foreshadowing gloom and doom, we're talking about, not, you know, potentially seeing the backside of this flu come back, you know, and, and when, when would be the normal flu season, right? North of October. Right. Right. We could lose it all right i'm not trying to and i'm not listen i'm
5: i hope i am i hope i'm so wrong i hope that scientists and and, and the medical community uh, rallies and, and find some miraculous vaccine a cure but you know everything i've read the protocol is these kind of things take over a year
3: to develop uh and then you start to produce them in mass quantities, and then you start to dispense them um if you were the commissioner of the pga tour would would you want to open a tournament gate to thirty thousand spectators a day in July, um, and be responsible for that? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if. Yeah, I do. I, not, I,
1: I don't, not, not without I, assurances, I, right?
3: I don't.
5: I don't envy the commissioner of any sport right now. I don't. I don't envy anybody that runs a large corporation or a factory or anything else uh, where there requires a skill sketch. A skill set to you know to gather people together in close proximity right now. I think everybody's been pretty gun shy. It's still amazing to me, Chris. The thing that's really amazing to me is how many people have not really embraced what's going on yet, or think that it's you know not as serious as it is. Uh, there's, there's still a fact a faction of the American public that clearly hasn't wrapped their head around this thing yet, which which creates a huge amount of lag time and is going to sustain the the uh, the, the downside. So I don't know. I don't know if we have a season. I, I I am skeptical we have a season. I I certainly I think your point about the fall, and the flu season in the fall, and this thing circling back is a valid point. I'm not optimistic. I'm and I'm, I'm listen. I'm I'm the most positive guy in the whole world. You know that. Uh, uh, but you know I I don't know. I don't know if we have a season.
1: So let's take that out a little further, Tom. I mean, for a couple of different reasons. One, you talked earlier about your. Um... Your hesitance to be around some of your students that are sixty, seventy, eighty years old—and rightfully so—but you and I are north of fifty, and we we can see sixty coming up on the horizon. You got to be a little worried about yourself first of all, too, right? I mean, you you can't—and I appreciate the fact that you're worried about others first. But Chris, Chris, we're north just, of fifty; it's not again. like we're far
3: outside the crosshair. How, how old are you, Chris? I'll be
1: fifty-five in a few weeks.
3: Well, your friend here is sixty-one.
5: Okay, um, now he's pretty healthy, and he and he and he keeps he takes care of himself. Yeah, I am worried about others first, but that's usually what I do. But uh, I'm concerned about me too. And and I I think the other thing we're seeing now too, and we have to really be aware of, is that yes, certainly people that are older are more susceptible. But now we're seeing cases in twenty and thirty-year-olds too. So it's not like this disease. AIDS discriminates. It does not. I mean, and certainly a stronger body, a younger body, can fight it off a little bit better. But we've we've had some fatalities in the twenties and thirties too. So we're not we're not exempting those people either. Um, and certainly, you know, the invisible enemy here carries this thing around. You don't, you don't know who you're standing next to or who you're standing. It's funny. I, I went to a packing ship right. today to send some to send some golf clubs to somebody in uh, the UPS store, and I and I was wearing a mask. Uh, so, so you know, laugh at me if you will, but I was wearing a mask and I was very conscious of not standing within 10 feet of anybody to get my to get my boxes shipped. So um, I, listen, I, there's so many unknowns here, and so many things we don't understand about this yet that uh, I think we got a long road ahead. Has
1: a, a PGA professional. It makes his livelihood on people being on the practice tee and lessons and golf schools and all of those things. And you talked a little bit about this last time, but from an economic perspective on a personal level, this has got to take a tremendous toll on.
5: Oh, I'm getting crushed, man. We're all getting crushed. I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not having a pity party for myself here. I mean, anybody that's an independent contractor right now, that works on an hourly basis, like just we're just like a dentist there's not somebody in our chair we're not filling a filling. we're not getting paid um we don't have a paycheck we we create a we create paychecks on an hourly basis, so we're getting crushed um you know, I mean, I've looked into the stimulus package and what it's gonna what it's gonna do for an independent contractor, but you know how long can that last um yeah. there's a lot of uncertainty pal we
1: we got we got a long road ahead, yeah, indeed, hi right, so. Let's let's get over to the the brighter side of the world for for a minute. And I agree. With I know you. we don't let's have do we we don't have live golf tournaments that we get to you know kind of revel in and and, and check out. Um, let's talk all time golf tournaments. Your, your top five favorites that you might be following up on YouTube or checking out on the Golf Channel or ESPN Classic. What are your, some of your favorites, Tom, and why?
3: Well, well,
5: it's funny. Just for the folks out there listening, you, you texted me earlier today and told me to think about that, and I, I put some real thought into it. I did a little research. I, I went to my research capabilities, Chris. My my intelligence, my my fact finding. It was unbelievable. To search <laughs> it, just
1: just you dug your... deep, in other words.
5: Uh, very deep. So so you know, I and I listened to Paul before, before me, and uh, Paul's a dear friend. What a great guy he is. But. Uh, the first thing I came up with that, that jumps into my mind and, and by the way, before I even go into this, I've been you know, I've been trying to search T V for things I want to watch and I, I gotta say my friends at the Golf Channel have done a really crappy job of I mean, for three days this week they had the second and third the third and fourth rounds of the Valspar on 24-7, 365. Now think about the library of golf tournaments that the golf channel has on. I think he claimed the Valspar. I mean, come on, guys, really <laughs> Can you come up with something better than that for three days in a row? Somebody's asleep at the wheel in Orlando. Let's let's get after it here, guys. Anyway, my first one is is far and away um, Tiger Woods at Pebble, uh, winning by 15 shots in 2000. I mean, I just think about that golf tournament. I remember watching that golf tournament in 2000 when Tiger was obviously busting through our TV screens and winning a U.S. Open by 15 shots. I mean, I, I still have trouble wrapping my head around that. Uh, by the way, the previous record was 13 shots, which was 140 years earlier by Tom Morris at Preswick. So let's put that in perspective. Tom Morris at Preswick, okay, in 1865, won by 13 shots, and it was 140 years later when Tiger Woods broke the open or major record of margin of victory at Pebble in 2000. So that's my number one. I think that was just I sat there. I remember sitting there watching that, thinking, "What in the hell is this guy doing? He is beating the entire talented professional world by 15 shots. I don't think you ever see that again. Maybe 140 years from now,
3: but but not not doing that. So that's
5: my number one. My number two, which is a which is kind of a, an emotional
3: uh, number two. Uh, was Seve at St. Andrews in
5: 1984. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, Chris, he was a friend of mine, and uh, his famous fist pump in the 18th century when he made that putt and Watson was making bogey on the road hole at 17. Uh, that was something that I, I you know, I, I can watch that a thousand times in a row instead of the foul spar, I can promise you that. Um, number three, again, is an emotional one to friend, uh friend, and I was with him when he did this. In 1984, Freddie winning at TPC. Uh, which is arguably the fifth major, um, but I remember, you know, really distinctly. I I pulled him there for the second round, and, and I stayed with him uh, the last two nights. Uh, and he beat Watson, Trevino, Ballesteros coming down the stretch. Now so think about 1984, who Watson, Ballesteros, and Trevino were in 1984, and uh, and who Freddie was in 1984, having only won one time up till that point, which was the Kemper. And he beats those guys coming down the stretch. We went out to dinner afterwards. By the time we got out of the media and all the volunteer parties, Chris, it was about 1030 at night. We couldn't. We had. We're starving. We hadn't eaten anything. And we pulled into it. Now, think about Sawgrass in 1984, not nearly as developed as it is now. We pulled into a place called Hans' Bistro at 1030 at night. And and Hans was waiting on us and didn't have a clue who Fred Couples or Tom Patrick was or the, the TPC trophy that was sitting on our table, what that was. And uh, I remember saying to Freddie, you know, you, you just won the Tournament Players Championship. You just beat Ballesteros and Watson and Trevino. And he turned to me being Freddie and he said, yeah, Tom, but they're good. That's, that's that's how humble Fred Couples is and uh, and how he stays still today. So that was really fun being with him for that. And then my number four was here at the Masters, you know, Tiger coming back. I mean, I remember sitting there on Sunday and, and watching Molinari dunk it. You know, in twelve, and then and Tiger take over the lead and hang Young coming down the stretch, and how emotional that must have been, and then him hugging his kids and his mother off eighteen green, and it was it was awesome. So that was those are my my top four, um, but my my fifth one is really the masterpiece. That's uh, that's the nineteen. 81 NCAA Division II national championship and Tom Patrick won. So that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's that's my that's my number that's my number five and if, I, I can't I can't believe how that would make everybody's top five. My you know, my my 81 NCAA Division II national championship win should be in everybody's top five.
1: It it certainly is in mine for sure. So I, oh, I'm, I'm with sure. you. I don't understand how that could not be in everybody's.
5: It's it's right behind it's right behind the Red Sox World Series, right? Right,
1: <laughs> right there with that. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean. It's right. It's right behind the 2004 a- ALCS, which to me is the greatest four days, you know, probably of my life outside of my the birth of my children and my in my I, I, wedding. I've got
5: I've got two particular four letter words for you, and I'm so sure you can guess both of them.
3: <laughs>
1: no <laughs> doubt you do.
3: Um,
1: Tom, I want to get a, a, one of the themes of tonight's show are, are, are some things that people can do now that we're all stuck at home. Many of us can't get out to a practice range or a golf course or do any of those things. Our, our practice range now is our backyard or our living room. What, yeah, what sure. are some sure. drills that uh, you can pass along that uh, our listeners might be able to do while we're trapped at home?
5: Well, first of all, Chris, you know how I feel about short game. So if, if anybody out there is listening and they're, and they're stuck at home and they, and they want to work on their golf game, if they don't have somewhere in their house that they can putt uh, and, and there's so many good, you know, artificial putting mats out there now, uh get one. You know, get one right away. You gotta be you gotta have a putter in your hands every day. I mean, that's something you just have to do. Um and then, you know, if you have a uh an orange whip or a swing fan or a weighted club, you certainly at the very least be making swings with one of those devices every day for fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh I, I actually swung a swing fan and I have a uh <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little over the top, but I have a uh a uh explainer swing plane uh, device in my garage uh, in full size which I was on today for about 15 minutes um, but you got to have a putter in your hand you got to be doing some, making some kind of motions every day and I think the orange grip is the easiest thing they come in all lengths and sizes now so even if you have a low ceiling you have a short one now you can swing indoors even in the 9 foot ceiling or an 8 foot ceiling so that's at a very minimum but you got to have something in your house that you're making swings with every day you got to be doing some aspect of short game and particularly putting would be my number one indoors. Um certainly a great time, as you said earlier, to do some studying too and get on YouTube and and there's so much great resource out there. My my YouTube channel has over hundred and fifty tips on it right now that you can access for free. So I invite everybody to go on there, subscribe to that and and certainly if you have any questions to download one of my one of my tips if you want to send it to me at my email address and and ask any questions about it. You know, I welcome that. What else am I doing right now besides picking my nose. So uh, you know, you can certainly use that. As a, you can certainly, you can certainly use that as a resource. And I'm happy to answer any questions. But what a great time to study a little bit, and do some reading and some research, and look at some great video. There's so much great stuff on YouTube now. Um,
3: uh,
5: Paul's site which you mentioned earlier, Romaine's site, and my site is certainly available. And again, it's free. You know, so uh, if it's free, why don't you take three? You know, so so go ahead. Let
1: me get a couple of other shots that uh, we've talked a bit about tonight um the tight lie it uh we may be on uh, just a little bit short of the green it's a tight lie it's hard round. Um a lot of times when we're trying to hit that shot we i see so many people just automatically pull their 60 degree wedge or their 56 degree wedge and they chunk it um or they blade it across the green when you're faced with a tight lie shot, just a little bit short of the green, what club do you recommend that we pull, and how do we hit that shot so it's nice and crisp, but it's not a dump a couple of feet in front of us or scald all the way across the green?
5: Yeah, it's funny, Chris, you bring that up. because One of my last lessons before I shut it down a couple weeks ago was that exact thing. And I have a guy who's a really dear friend of mine who I teach named George Capper, and George is probably 75 or 76, and he's, He's not a very good short game player, and he's not a very good wedge player. And he be over to the short game area and dumped some balls down. And he said, "See, I can't, I can't, keep, I can't even get this ball in the green from here." And he were only ten or twelve yards off the putting surface, and it was really tight. And, and he had a, you know, he had very much. He had sixty degree in his hands. And I walked back to my bag, and I came back with a, uh, a hybrid, and I hit a little bump and run shot up the hill with a hybrid, about three feet from the hole. And he was like, "Well." Oh, is that legal? I said, "Well, yeah, of course it's legal. You can use any any of those 14 clubs are available to you." And I put the hybrid in his hands, and he the first motion he made, he he hold he holds it out, knocks it in the hole, ran ran up the hill, wow. crossed the green perfectly, took a little break, right left to right, one right in the middle of the hole. He looked at me, he goes, "Lesson's over, TP. I got it. I'm gonna go practice." I said, "Now, you listen." <laughs> Oh, hang on a second now you've never done this before in your life, and that was that was great that you did that, but that was your first attempt I'd have to chalk it up to luck so there is some feel involved in that, but the great thing about the hybrid off that tight line is it's not going to dig um you know it's got a little bit of loft to get the ball tumbling a little bit up the hill, and it just takes a little bit of work with it to develop some speed control, just like a lag putt would be speed control um but it takes all that all that leading edge and all that bounce out out of play for a little while for the guy who's got a little bit of the jitters in that area great shot to have um oh, one of my champions tour friends i'm not going to mention who it is because he he'd probably kill me if i said his name but he uh we, we had the same discussion a couple years ago at the uh at the chug here in naples and he was hitting that shot in practice a lot and i said to him, uh, i'll call him bill i said bill white why why don't you pitch the ball from here any, anymore he goes, tom he goes i got the shakes here a little bit and i'm choking my guts out coming down the stretch the wedge is not coming out of the bag
3: so I said, I, I get it. I understand. I understand. So it's a great go-to shot around the greens, and uh, it's very safe. All right.
1: So let's let's go a little bit uh, the, the other way, right? As as we're moving further back, maybe now in, we're at 50 yards, still with the same sort of tight lie kind of shot. Talk about how we can sure. light that ball in and not end up doing the same thing on i think the first thing
5: people have to understand chris is the golf club themselves they don't understand the word bounce or what the word bounce means necessarily and i think they when they hear the word bounce they think the club's gonna bounce and that's not what it means so i, re- I always rename the word bounce when i teach people about the bottom of the club i rename it the skitter uh and bob boke who's a dear friend of mine loves this you know i call it the skitter because if you, if you play the club on the ground more in the trailing edge of the club uh, more on the back of the club with the club a little bit open and the trailing edge exposed to the ground. It just does that. It skids. Anytime you've got the leading edge involved, uh, there is a chance that the club will dig. And I think the things we do wrong in our setup with those types of shots are we've been told universally to play the ball back in our stance, wait on our left foot and our hands way forward. And uh, and they square the club face up. And that, that's a recipe for the club to dig every time. You hit a couple of chunks and then you flinch on it and then you hit a couple of skulls and now you're playing you know you're playing hockey instead of playing golf. So I like the ball more centered. I like the you know club back on the trailing edge to get the skitter involved. I like the hands more neutral and the weight more neutral, and learn how to basically brush the ground with the trailing edge of the club with a skitter, so it won't dig and and usually it takes a very short period of time to get somebody to convert from from a very non-confident
3: type stroke to a really reliable stroke. Wants to understand the golf club and how to use the trailing edge or the bounce, which is called the skitter.
1: And Tom, if we've hit a bit of a wayward shot and we find ourselves off the fairway in the junk, maybe you don't do that, junk, no, wait, you... Wait, 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 wait. you don't do hit that, do that. You don't hit any wayward shots, do you? Very rarely. I'm not talking. I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for a friend. Oh, okay. okay. So, so if my friend hits it off the fairway. And he hits it into the pine straw, or maybe into the leaves this time of year. So it's it's loose there. How do we not let the club slide underneath the ball and just not hit it anywhere? How do we get a, a more crisp shot there?
5: Okay, well that 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 you're asking me to play a fairway bunker shot basically. So first of all, understand something: pine straw are a loose impediment. Okay, so that's the first thing. So the first thing you want to make sure is that when you make that swing, you don't. Your feet, your footwork, you don't slide or, or, or move around with your base at all. You have a stable environment to play from. So you can brush some prime store out of the way and without building a stance, just brush it out of the way Just get, get your feet on solid ground. So that's the first thing. And then second of all, just like you would a fairway bunker shot, you're going to try to pick that ball. You're not going to go down and get it. You're going to pick it. So I'm going to grip the club down a little bit. I'm going to shorten the club up a little bit in my hands. So I'm going to make some rehearsal swings where I'm just barely clipping because it's a feel shot flipping the top of the pine straw, and just like a Fairway bunker shot, I'm going to try kind to of stay very stable with my lower body. I'm not going to have a lot of activity with my lower body. I'm going to make a modified size backswing and try to take it off that pine straw. I mean, you can't go at that shot hard because you, if you slip it all, you catch it a little bit heavy, you know where it's going to go. It's going to go about 10 feet in front of you.
1: So, Tom, before I let you go, and all great stuff as always, talk about for folks that want to start to uh, get some video lessons, From you and I've got my my hand raised in the air. How can we get our videos to you? How can we get you to critique them? And how can we sign up for some video lessons since we can't get there on the practice tee with you?
5: You Yeah, and obviously at this at this with with the craziest in the world right now. That's that's kind of my main thing right now. So, folks, please jump in. Uh, I just actually put a special up on social media that a single video lesson is $19.99. So you can get a video lesson if you're swinging that for $19.99, or you can buy three video lessons for $49.95. Uh, and you do that by uploading. First of all, if you don't have an uploaded the V1 app, you're crazy. You should Everybody should have the V1 app on their phone or on their iPad, every person in the world. And then you can actually videotape yourself within the app, the V1 app, you know, you could use your backyard making practice swings. You can make some swings indoors. You can, hit, you know, you can send me putts. You can send me pitch shots. You can send me full swings. You know, any any swing you want down the line or face on, and then upload it to me through the V1 app by searching. There's an instructor tab when you go to send. You'll you'll have a a menu, a scroll down, and you just find Tom Patry on there. You click it and save me as your instructor, and you send it. And you pay for it by either using PayPal or Venmo. And once I get the payment, I open up the uh, video, which I would have received through the V1 app, and I do the analysis and get back in. I've got a, Chris, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful teaching tool. It's very powerful. I I have the ability to upload and attach in my response to you, whatever I decide to do, over 150 drills that I filmed indoors in a TV studio that I can seamlessly attach. So you get full audio, full video, you get attached drills, graphics, and analysis uh, back uh, in a matter of, uh, seconds basically so i do about uh, right now i'm doing about 25 or 30 of those a day so just hop in there and get involved it's a a no-brainer for anybody out there that wants to uh create a a relationship with a coach that can get to 27 you know 24 7 365 and again you can you can be making swings in your backyard and send me me video
1: well tom that's a great tool and and something i highly encourage everyone to take a look at and like to your point download the the v1 golf app do right on your on your smartphone so no no problem there get your phone set up behind you and and just i don't want to speak for you but for for folks that want to send you video talk about the ideal angle what angle do you want to be able to see so that you can properly understand what's going on in their golf swing
5: one of the things i once i get somebody that's a regular user one of the things i encourage them to do chris is i for for 1999 for example uh, as a single analysis i let them send me both angles uh, because i think that's uh, necessary for me to make a really solid analysis. And I return both angles, by the way, too. So the face-on angle, or we call that the caddy view, is if it was directly in front of you, facing you chest on to chest on, uh, you'd want your hands to be the center of the frame, and you'd want to make sure you were wide enough that I never lost the club head and any portion of the swing. I always want to go see the face of the club at all points in the swing, face on. And then down the line, I want the camera to have the center of your hand line, your hands at a dress as the center of the frame. And again, I don't want to lose the club in any portion at all on the down the line view. So for, for 1999, you actually get two videos back. You get down the line and face on because I, I discuss different things that are going on. Face on, I talk a lot about the body and what the body's doing. And down the line, I talk a lot about the club and what the club is doing as far as playing the path and, and face progression in the swing. So you get a lot of information back from 1999 for two views.
1: Well, TP, I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show again this week, my friend. You're fantastic as always. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, you and uh, and Mrs. Patry, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks.
5: Chris, uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, to everybody out there, please stay safe. Take this thing seriously. Stay at home. Uh, let's get let's get the country healthy again. But most of all, let's keep everybody safe and uh, and and really beat this thing. Uh, God bless everybody. Thanks for having me on, Christopher.
1: You bet, Tom. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. That's a great Tom Patrick, P-A-T-R-I, tompatry.com is his website. And uh, like I say, download that V1 app, get it, get those videos to Tom, let him do the analysis. Your golf game is certainly going to be way better for it. Of all the great teachers there are out there, Tom Patrick is, is at the very top of that list. And more importantly to me, he's a hell of a guy and a, a really good friend. And I, I love that guy. And um Staying healthy, staying safe is uh, what we all need to be doing, and uh, I hate it for Tom and all the PGA professionals, LPGA professionals out there that this is cratering there like a small business, and that uh, coronavirus is cratering those small businesses, and those are dollars that uh, stimulus package or not, they're they're never going to get back. The, the new ways with uh, with technology and video that uh, for us, we don't have. To suffer and not not have lessons and put our golf games you know back on the shelf after we finally got them down for the winter so let's 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 utilize the video portions let's utilize the apps like v1 and others to uh, continue to make our golf swings be better give us something to do and get out in the backyard and swing a golf club and get a little exercise and continue to have some fun and when this finally lifts hopefully that happens right you know Tom's saying you know boy I sure hope I'm wrong about this thing and I hope he's wrong too He's typically wrong about a lot of things. I mean, as a Yankee fan, he can't help himself. But um, hopefully we're able to get back out and, and start to play before long. And we want our golf games to be in shape. Let's not, you know, let the rust uh, stay on that we got over the winter. Start knocking off now. Hut around. Do some tipping in the backyard. Get video lessons and, and start utilizing those sorts of things. So we come back strong and we're ready to go and, and, and enjoy whatever we have left of the golf season. I think it's a great thing. Tom's a great guy, and uh, hopefully uh, we we can get him back on the show again here in a couple of weeks, and things are better. All right, folks, this, uh time to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks to Jason Hayes, Paul Ramey, and, and Tom Patry as well. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with uh, who we have coming on. Our guest schedule is right there for you. You can also stream or download any of our archive episodes. Go over to podcast.co those guys have been uh, really great to us we're on apple podcast google podcast podbean spotify iHeartRadio, radio audio boom player.fm we're all over the net uh please check us out take us with you everywhere you go because you can listen right there on your smartphone as well folks thanks again for choosing to listen to this show today we really appreciate the fact that you continue to make next on the tee a part of your golfing content until next week hit them straight my friends
0: Every three minutes, a person in the U.S. is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma. Blood cancers that often require patients to endure difficult treatments that leave them feeling weak, cold, and isolated. Subaru of Gwinnett is here to help. Since 2016, Subaru has partnered with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, a cause that Fan has been proud to support for over 24 years. And in the month of June, through our Subaru Loves to Care initiative, we're continuing our partnership with LLS to give even more to patients and their families. Subaru, more than a car company. Visit Subaru of to learn more.